Grab your coffee. And clear your cash. It's time for the next episode of Grande Grande Texpectations. This podcast is run by Onslow DLT, and your hosts today are... Sachelle Dorenkamp. And Erin Holland. I am so excited about our guest today, Erin. Oh my gosh. So today we have Joe and Kristen Merrill um, on the podcast. They wrote The Interactive Class, which is a phenomenal book. Um, if you haven't read it, go to Amazon, buy mm-hmm. it today. It's such a great book. Um, you can use like great activities that can mm-hmm. be used across the grade levels, K-12. Everything can be adjusted and uh, it's just such a good book. Yeah, it's great. And we'll talk about some of that in the podcast with them. Um, but definitely, I totally agree with Sichelle. If you Happen to be shopping around on Amazon, hadn't picked you up a copy yet. It's a um, great resource for teachers at any level. I feel like maybe the best resource I've read for, from yeah. an education standpoint because I got more ideas, like usable ideas than any other book I think I've read, to be honest. Yep. And again, it's the interactive class. And um, if you are not following them on Twitter. We have been sharing some great members of our PLN with you over uh-huh. these last several episodes. And it's the Merrill's EDU, which is at T-H-E-M-E-R-R-I-L-L-S-E-D-U. And they're so, so phenomenal. So great. Pause right now and yeah. follow them. Yeah. Like they're just Pivotal members, I think, of an education PLN. Absolutely. And you can follow them individually, too. Um, Kristen Merrill is at Friends in Fourth, and Joe is at Mr. Merrill's class. And they are super active on Twitter. They're always tweeting out resources, tips, help for teachers. They're Mm -hmm. just super active members of our PLN, and we appreciate them so much for taking time out to join us today. So without further ado... Welcome, you two. Please take a minute to introduce yourselves. We're so excited to have you with us today. All right, so my name is Kristen Merrill, and I am a fourth grade teacher. I am Joe Merrill, hashtag the second best Merrill, and a first grade teacher. And we are a married couple, and we enjoy just doing life together, teaching together, and sharing it with people. Awesome. Awesome. Um, And again, I can't, I don't think we can thank you two enough for taking some time out of your summer when you should be unplugging, unwinding um, to talk to us. But I know ever since we saw the two of you in person at FETC, we've been itching to have you two on the podcast with us um, to talk about your awesome book. But, you know, some things happened over the past couple of months, <laughs> so we kind of want to get your take on all of that, too. But let's um, let's kind of start with your book. Um, can you just give us a little blurb for any listeners who haven't heard of or haven't read your book yet? Yeah, so basically, the interactive class is the name of the book, and in our classrooms, we strive to make learning relevant and engaging. Um, being parents and watching our own children go through school, it was just a passion of ours to make learning something not only that's fun, but something that they feel being a part of. Um, and we also really enjoy ed tech. And so finding ways to meaningfully, meaningfully integrate that technology to where people aren't just saying that it's games or that it's busy work, but that it's actually 
you know, developing these students as learners is mm-hmm. kind of the goal of the book. Yeah. I, when I was reading it, I was kind of highlighting some of those things that y'all put in, like, yes, like, this is what we're trying to get across, not that, like, you just put the computers in the room, and it's all the computers all the time, but that you're actually using them with some instructional purpose in mind, that's what, you know, people need to remember comes first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's an ultimate goal for us, is to make sure that the kids are the producers of the content, and not the consumers, that's really important to us. Um, and, you know, we just we strive to make sure that that content is delivered in authentic ways so that the kids can relate to it and they can learn from it, move on from it. Yeah, and that we're being authentic. Everything in that book from the setup to the, of the classrooms to the management tools to the lessons in the back are things that we have personally done. So we know that they work and that they can be used because we know sometimes you hear great ideas from people, but they may not necessarily have been in the classroom mm-hmm. or have not been there for a while. And you hear it, and as a teacher, you think, yeah, in a perfect world, but... The more you right. try, you no way that person did that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, that was one of the nice things about reading the book was that you could really tell how authentic yeah. the information was, that it wasn't just a, oh, do this. It was... Like, it was obvious that it came tried and true from both of your experiences. So that was awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a labor of love for sure. (laughs) So my actual, my favorite part of the book was the infusion of the QR codes with the video. That was mine too. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Mine too. How, I mean, what a great way to really connect with and engage your readers Mm -hmm. kind of on a new level. Um, I really hope people take that and run with it and that people keep doing that in their writing because it was awesome to actually see you and hear you while we're reading your words. So, like, where did that idea come from? Well, I think as soon as Flipgrid announced their AR features, uh, I think that was back in Disney a couple years ago. Um, (laughs) They Or Flipgrid Live is what it was, sorry. And we thought, you know what, that'd be really cool if we could figure out a way to get those QR codes somehow in the book, um, at the very least, because the Flipgrid ones are the ones that come up right at the beginning of the chapters. Right. But um, we were just concerned that at some point, because we all know Flipgrid, Flipgrid changes so quickly, we're like, please don't change those QR codes. <laughs> so you know, we, we had to reach out to them at one point and say, hey, is it going to be okay if we use these? Can we get the okay for a couple of years, you know? <laughs> and we're like, of course, not going to change. So... Uh, we decided to go for it, and I thought that it just added like this really nice personal touch. And yes. We wanted to feel connected to us because we, we love reaching out to educators and learning from them, and we didn't want them to be uh, intimidated in any way. So we wanted to make sure that that was there for uh, them to, to, to use and to learn from and connect with us. Yeah, and often not, you get a book and it's got these great ideas or this great pedagogy on what to do, but the actionable part isn't there. And Mm. so you leave thinking, what do I do now? Like, how do I do that? I love that idea. I love that philosophy. So the idea of saying, hey, let's try green screen. Here's an image. Take it right now and go. You know, give them that little push of of somewhere to start. And, And we truly believe that, you know, whenever you start anything new, whether it's a new way of thinking or a new, a new app, you need to kind of copy people when you start. You need to kind of know, have something to base off of your first lesson and then the more you use it the more applicable it becomes and then you start thinking oh I could have done that there or I could have used this here Mm -hmm. and then you start reaching out on your own and there's nothing wrong with that way of learning Mm because that's really how people do it whether we admit it or not right yeah that's so good 
Um, and it was just really nice. Um, you know, obviously we've seen you in person once, but we've seen you a lot on Twitter. Y'all are, you know, two of our favorite members of our PLNs. So that additional connection with the videos in the book too kind of helped because you're like, I know them. (laughs) It just felt so, it it felt almost like you were in the room getting direct PD from two presenters. Mm -hmm. So that was really great. Yeah. And we want people to realize that it may look like we know everything or there may be a facade, but there but we are just really like ordinary people. Yeah, I mean we have an advantage because there's two of us in the same house. <laughs> and she knows a little more than I do. But you know, no. I think that at the end of the day we, we reach to our PLN just like everybody else yeah. would. And uh, you know, it's just it's nice to be able to be surrounded by so many innovating educators who wanna do these ideas. So we've been very blessed in that sense. Yeah. What what a great time with, you know, the prevalence of, of social media for for its downsides at times, you know, but for education, it's so nice to be able to reach across the country, across the globe yeah. to connect with people that you can learn from and, and bounce ideas off of. And, you know, it's it's just so nice knowing you have this network of people who are there for help beyond what's just in your school or just in your district. Yeah, I would totally agree. And, you know, I think that was more evident now than ever before. Yeah. Just because everything that was going on. I mean, Kristen coined it as, like, the world's greatest PD event, you know? Yeah, that's... Educators were constantly reaching out to one another and saying, hey, how are you doing this? How are you going to go about delivering that? And uh, it was really beneficial to be a part of something like Twitter, for example, and have that support system in place. So um, if you're listening to this, you're not on Twitter, jump on. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) That's right. And I've been reflecting a lot too when you think of that and the support that we have and on the project we're working on now, like the idea that if we can gain so much support and so much new insight and knowledge from getting on and globally talking to other educators, like how much could our students also? Yeah. And yes. that's really the plan that I've taken away of like, you know, how much help I've gotten and how much I've learned from others and and hopefully trans, like letting that trickle down into my own classroom and teaching my kids of that of how to do that appropriately too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I heard the words new project. Can you talk about this? <laughs> yeah. We have several projects coming. Some are a little bit more labor intensive than others. Mm. You might connect that a little bit, but um, there's a lot of projects. There's a lot of projects. <laughs> never thought we would ever write a book ever like it was never so when someone approached us we kind of laughed at them like okay we'll have a meeting with you (laughs) turned into what it is now which we are so proud of but it's amazing the opportunities that it has now brought outward Mm. and as a way that we're able to I mean like even just today we get messages from people like hey I'm a first grade teacher and I'm one-to-one iPads and can you help me and just all the ways that we've been able to like trickle in and 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 reach these classrooms Mm -hmm. that it's just been really powerful and it, it may have encouraged us to work on some things that we never would have ever thought we would um but being classroom teachers 
it's a lot to juggle. So we yeah. have been actually hyperdrive mode these this last month of summer trying to get some of these projects completion because we know that when we go back to work, our boat's going to flip and we're going to go back to our classrooms and have that focus. And right. so, especially this year. So if you don't flip, it's kind of kind of what you said. If you're not on Twitter, join and then yes. you'll see when the projects come out. Because yes. we'll be fully announcing them. Some are silly, like when we just when we just did the last week was like a silly like cooped up in quarantine we made a swag shop and had fun like just like it was fun but some of them are a little more serious and, and you know Meaningful. Well, meaningful. we will be keeping our eyes peeled for oh, yeah. those project announcements. We can't wait. Something, some little nuggets to look forward to. Um, so kind of back to your book. Can y'all talk about, like, what were kind of the highs and the lows of that process? Because I would imagine, like you said, both being classroom teachers, that in and of itself is all consuming your parents, you're married, you're, you know, like... A lot of variables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, you, you learn so much that you don't realize that you're going to learn in the beginning when you start. Like, I have learned so much about Amazon and how Amazon works. You know, it's crazy. Like, in, in understanding all of that and, like, the system behind it, it's you know, you, you don't think about that things when you're getting ready to write a book, publish a book. Um, we we did most of our writing, all of our writing, really, in the summertime. And so what we did is when we were first approached, we, we wrote this draft together. And then we had our um, amazing publishers, they're really authors, friends, um, Trevor McKenzie and Holly Clark read over it. And I think I had to learn a little bit to get some tough skin. Like, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. And so I think the first round we had it all drafted and they like, like mixed like half of it. And I was oh, wow. like, what? <laughs> what? And I had this panic attack. And But then like, we took their advice and we walked through and some of the things they asked us to add in or like, for instance, the first chapter, we didn't have like this introduction to who we were. And, and that was one of the things they asked us to add. And it's one of the things that people come back over and over again. Like we really loved that. Yeah. And it, we added that. So the things that they asked us to add really did, but because we were teaching, we re- and we have our kids at home. That whole idea of like, uh, like we would sometimes get. I mean, sometimes I'd find myself getting up at like four thirty in the morning, and I would just sit for an hour before work if I had, you know, and try to just put a certain amount of words on the page at a time and slowly. But then the next summer, we really kind of cranked through it and then submitted it. And people don't realize putting a book into publication takes about six months. Oh, wow. So from when you put it in and, and then it starts getting edited and then it goes through formatting and we had some fun with that. Um, we, we did we had, hits all over the place. We did, but like as teachers, we, I don't know if we're the, they're their favorite like people to publish because <laughs> we had like certain fonts and they're like, oh, we don't do fonts in all caps. And we're like, oh, you're going to now. We want this font <laughs> and, images and these QR codes and like bless our editors like they did a phenomenal job and then the formatting came and it but it was just funny like the things that were important to us like apparently in a book you don't ever leave blank pages like that is a no-no I'm like oh we need this page for sketch notes and they're like no we're like no no we need it like like blank pages like but what we do like we need this blank page and then people come back and we're like oh I'm so glad we need a place to sketch and so it was just those, those funny little quirks where you Maybe it's the same as in your classroom. You know that's the sort of thing you want, and you know it's beneficial, and you kind of fight for it. There was a lot of that. <laughs> that <went on> too. <laughs> that's really funny. 
what the process of writing the book and kind of reflecting on each of your practice over the years, did the writing of the book create any changes in your classrooms? That's a great question. Yeah, I would say yes. And um, for me especially, because being a first grade teacher, when you're teaching six and seven year olds how to use technology, you've got to be very precise about what the instructions of using it are. And so going through the writing process and you know, trying to make it as simple as possible and making sure that when we're explaining different lessons, you know, do this, do this, do this, you know, almost like emoji style uh, where you're adding in those like, you know, those hints of things that really did transform into the classroom. And, you know, it made it easier, I think, for me, especially to uh, explain new uh, apps and new content, new ways of doing things to my students, because it shortened that description down way further. And uh, it just allowed me to deliver it quicker to them so they could run with it. And we also, I think it, it changed just a little bit in the sense that we are we're not necessarily competitive with each other or with our <laughs> classrooms. <laughs> and you're going to nod your head and be like, oh yeah. But we have this like funny little like motto that we don't do things the same way twice. Okay. When our students come into our classrooms every year, they're different and they learn different and their backgrounds are different. And and so every year something has to change. And so that was a big push too in the book as we were writing these things like, okay, that's how I did it in the past, but like, how do I now change it? And, and even now I'm like getting ready to put this blog post out and, and of these of ways to get to know your students during remote learning. And there's this lesson that's tried and true. And I put it in there and I'm like, I got to think of a new way to do this. How can I put a spin on it, you know, and add that as well, because what works one year may not work the other. And so we are constantly doing that. Like we'll look at something like, okay, no, how am I going to change this? Or how am I going to level it up? Or how is this, that group can't handle it that way like I did last year. How am I going to modify it? And so there's a lot of that that's come out of writing the book too, I think. Yeah, I would agree. See? Do your children ever become kind of the guinea pigs for like activities or anything you want to try in the classroom? So it's funny that you asked that. So last year was a very special year for us. Our youngest son um, is now seven and our oldest is now 10. So if you're quick with your math, you'll figure out that they were our age level. So uh, I had our youngest, she had our oldest in class. Oh, that's so funny. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. And then coronavirus struck, and that changed everything. Um, and, you know, one of the things that was, I guess, an advantage was we were able to see what they were capable of doing in our own home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we were assigning work and stuff for the kids, if they were able to finish it in an adequate amount of time or if they were spending too much time on it. Um, it so, Yeah, it helped us kind of gauge where to, to drive the instruction. Um, but... but- yeah. Kids in your class are often very nice, and they don't really, like, want to tell you how they feel all the time, but your own child has no problem. So you can go up there, did you like, I didn't listen to me, it was so fun. No, I didn't like it at all. What? Why didn't you like it? Well, and, like, he'll tell me. And so that was kind of nice, because the kids are always like, oh, that was great. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't want to tell you, but he would tell you exactly, well, it took me for, like, forever to find that button, and then, like, I couldn't picture it inside. And, like... He would tell me honestly how he felt about things. So that was kind of nice in that sense. But now I think there there may have been a little bit of bribery over quarantine to like when we didn't have the resources to get them to help us. But now I think they're taking it a little too far because <laughs> he just opened that, that flag shop for fun. And I, we thought it'd be fun to include them. So 
on one of the children's shirts we had, we wanted our son to write out the wording rather than like put it in font. And so he did it and we showed it to him on the site. And he's like, this is awesome. I should get commission off this. <laughs> okay. Like, you know, and then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Kudos to you. Your work is valuable, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he's learned how to self-advocate. <laughs> Just slightly by watching. That's so great. So speaking of the coronavirus and this pandemic that kind of forced everyone into a very new lifestyle, um, what lessons did you learn during the stay-at-home remote learning experience in the spring that will kind of propel you forward into this coming school year? That's another great question. I... Gosh, I took a lot away. You go first. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, and it kind of trickles back to what I said before. You know, one thing that I learned very quickly was that the students, for the most part, were able to catch on pretty quickly. But it was now realizing that I wasn't just supporting the students. I was also supporting parents. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. making sure that the content that was sent home, um, whether it was, you know, on Flipgrid or some type of embed, was something that they could familiarize themselves with as well. And so families should always be involved in the classroom as much as possible. But I think that um, one thing that I'll do this coming year is right off the bat really try to make sure that they understand the platforms um, that we will use and how we'll use them. And uh, encourage them to, yeah, and I've done that in the past, but just I haven't really gone to the extra step of encouraging them to really try them out and to use them um, to get their feet wet. Just in the event, and we're in Florida, so in the event that we do have to bounce back to remote learning, right. you know, that it, it won't be such a struggle for them. Um, because who knows? I got my answer now. All right. I, got <laughs> and I had to figure out which order I wanted to say them. So the first one was, we talk about in the book, that when kids come to learning with a with a frustrational feeling that they are not, they're going to block everything that comes. I think there was a lot of that, whether they are frustrated at their situation, frustrated at their parents, frustrated they couldn't go to school, whatever it was. And I don't think I did a, as good of a job as I could have of really trying to lower that. Mm. You know, our district wanted everything to be asynchronous. They wanted kids to be able to do it whenever they wanted. And... Um, if I ever was put in that situation again, I think I would offer a, a synchronous kind of schedule and just record everything so that it could then become asynchronous rather than filming everything ahead of time because it was so hard. And I think I would have been able to really adapt to what the kids needed more if I was there every day. And it would have been very hard for me to be with my kids at home, but to be there every day with them, even at live, just starting them off or just something, I think that would have helped. And then the third thing that whether you're going to go remote, well, definitely if you're going to go remote, but if you're going to go back to brick and mortar, do not forget is it's just the equity of, of students and, and how inequitable even our district did, was amazing. Every student got a device. Every student that needed internet got an internet card. I mean, they they did everything they could to make sure that students had the, the tools they needed, but that didn't fix the inequity of some of the families and, and the lifestyles and the and, and the hardships that some of my kids had. And that was very eye-opening. And so going back to school, I want to have that mindset of rather than like, how what, what tools can I give to fix the inequity? Rather, I want to think, 
how do we just get rid of the inequity? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. how, rather than band-aiding these things, how can I help that child to, to fix that? And maybe it's not just in my classroom, maybe it's in a bigger way, but that that really hit home. And and we look, it just, yeah, I, that, needs to, that needs to be at the forefront, even when all this is over. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about equity a lot. All the time, yeah. We definitely feel the same way. We live in a district that has a lot of disparities. Um, so that's definitely in the forefront to us as well, which then leads to the importance of, you know, social and emotional learning and making those connections with our students. And it's hard to sustain connections remotely. Um, we were super fortunate. I feel like that the, the situation didn't happen until we had had several months of an established relationships with our students and with our school communities. Um, and it makes the prospects of this fall a little shaky. I think that's still where a lot of the anxiety lies for me at least is that those connections are going to need to happen so quickly because it's so important for us to be able to get to the root of our students needs like you were saying yeah I totally agree I think that you know like you said it was one thing going to remote learning in March it's a whole different story starting off I mean kids knew like our students knew technology they knew teams they they knew everything and they still struggled yeah, and then if you're going to have a whole different class with new students starting out the year, I mean, take it slow. Yeah. You know? Like, just pick one of those tools. Yeah, well, and that's why I wanted, right, that we asked on one of our social media feeds the, the other day, like, since our school day got pushed back, and we still don't know for sure exactly what our personal, you know, job requirements will be, we want to help other people. So we asked people for some advice, and one of the things that came up a lot was how to create those emotional bonds with your kids, how to create that community. So that's a blog post that's coming out later this week. But the idea is that I used to take an entire week. Now, granted, I was departmentalized, so I had half of their day. But I used to take an entire first week to build a community. I didn't open a math book. I didn't yeah. open a reading story. I didn't. So I really still feel strongly that everyone should be doing the same. Yeah, your entire week of doing fun go noodle dances and scavenger hunts at home yeah. and get to get to know you because if you don't have that relationship with your kids and you don't have that bond and they don't trust you they're not going to work for you they're not right and and you can make up some of that time lost by integrating science and reading and doing that together and being creative but yeah I, really really hope teachers don't just spend a day or an activity like I really would love to see at least a week of just getting to know you making it fun and that's where you can in- teach them these tools totally hey let's agree. get to know each other through Flipgrid and let's have fun and push all the buttons you want take however long as you want because this is just a, for fun to get to know you yeah it's not a time ready you know I just I think that would be really cool yeah that's a great suggestion how do you two see this experience that we have been through are starting the fall with, how do y'all see all of this changing education moving forward? Well, I think that whether educators want to admit it or not, we all had to learn a lot, you know, and we had to roll with it. And I just hope that, you know, people continue to run with it. Uh, You know, it's easy to get frustrated when things go wrong. You know, uh, something doesn't work right, or maybe there, there's, you know, an error in delivering the content. But, you know, just 
being persistent with it and making sure that you don't give up on the technology because this is the, the student's world, you know? Um, there's that one, I keep on thinking of the, the example that you had where... Um, oh, yeah. Kristen had a group of kids who were working on a project. And Back there in the good old days in my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> and her old, she's mad because she's got a new class. No, I may not. I may not. But I meant like pre-COVID. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, there's a group of kids that are working on a project in the Green School Project. And there was another student who was filming what they were presenting on. Well, then the group of kids, there's another group of kids behind that person watching what was happening. But they're not watching the group of kids. They're actually watching the little iPad screen that the kids are on. And so... They were watching the presentation through the iPad rather than in person. Yeah, and it just makes so much sense, even to us. Because, like, think about it. If you're in a conference situation and you're far away, you can kind of see the person. But then there's this big jumbo screen. You're going to gravitate towards the jumbo screen, right? Right. It's just all now ingrained into our, like, our minds. And so... um, we just have to make sure that we don't give up on some of these things and that we just keep on running with it. And I think that uh, things will get easier for us and for our students. Yeah, I think we had a, a nice chat, you know, projects, and a nice chat with um, May from Flipgrid the other day. And one of the things that she was, we were talking about that's really stuck with me is the idea that, one, kids are resilient and that they're going to be okay. And two, that learning can happen anywhere. Learning can happen in your kitchen. It can happen outside in your garden. It can happen in a classroom. So this idea that learning can only happen within the four walls of your room with your teacher right in front of you is not true. Mm-hmm. And we can teach our kids and we can learn with our kids wherever they are. And this idea that this global learning, this meeting up with other people is powerful. And and I'm hoping that we're going to take away that idea that you know, I'm already seeing things like, well, just, you know, kids aren't going to learn if I'm not right there. No, they, they can't. And they, and they, and they may not at first, but they can't. And so go into, going into it with that idea, you know, we talk about in the book that even when you go through something really hard, there's still learning that can come from that hard thing. Mm -hmm. And in the book, we talk about learning a new tech and having to be frustrated, but I've kind of used that in my own life. Like in this project, this is not an easy thing to go through. And all of these changes, but I was talking to a fellow teacher that I'm going to work with next year, and she's like, but it's kind of challenging. Like, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to what that challenge is going to do to me as a teacher, mm-hmm. what I'm going to learn from it, how my kids are going to be different, and that part is exciting. So focusing on it as a challenge and, and reassuring yourself that the learning can happen yeah. in this different way is, is going to be, I think, a positive outlook. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was kind of like being pushed off the diving board like yeah you might not have meant to jump into the deep end that fast but we were all forced to and I feel like our teachers at least and our students did a great job of rising up to the surface and just swimming through what what situation we found ourselves in and like I definitely hope the same way that you two that we just keep this momentum going you know as educators I feel like a lot of times we're the last ones who are willing to change and this might have been kind of just that jump start that we needed to really dive deep and reflect on our practice and look at what's working best for the students we have now and what we need to make adjustments with actually what I kind of really loved is a lot of my teachers noticed that students that didn't perform as well in the class were flourishing remotely 
because they didn't have that distraction. So that was very interesting to see a lot of the reflection going on mm -hmm. in the practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the reflection, the things that are brought to the surface that you may not, like, when remote learning started, I was like, sweet, like, I could do this, stay at home, <laughs> like, I got tagged because it was right up my alley. <laughs> and now teachers at our school are like, you're not going to be a remote teacher. And I'm like, absolutely not, because it brought to the surface some of these SEL principles. And so, like, I miss my kids, and I, yeah. I didn't realize the value of some of those silly things like rock, paper, scissors before you leave the door and like the things that really meant to, like, to them, yeah. I, I didn't realize how important they were. And so I, I'm really encouraged too by seeing other educators, like how am I going to build community with my kids and how am I get to know them? Because I don't know necessarily that's what I've been seeing at the beginning of the year normally. Yeah. Normally I feel like, like, Look how I decorated my classroom. Look at this <laughs> book that I used. It was more teacher-centered, and yeah. I feel like this is causing teachers to be a little more student-centered, which mm. is the ultimate goal. Right. Yes. yes. Absolutely. And a little more flexible, too. Maybe just that that knowledge that there are going to be things that come at us or come for us that we can't really do anything about. All we can do is just keep on keeping on and keep teaching our kids. That's right. Yeah, that's a fun acronym from the book. If I'm a I'm an avid Friends fan. If anyone knows, like he in and out, like Die Hard and Pivot. Um, yeah, that, that's actually the acronym to our. Um, and it was not meant to be that way at first. But that's when, a lot. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> word. And then our publishers, we talked about it, and then we realized pivot. I was like, I was sold. But that's the actual acronym to our interactive learning method. Is is that you, you can at hearts when you pivot, you change based on situation, based on student learning, based on you know so many different things. You have to be able to reflect on what's going on and adjust as needed. Absolutely, love it. Well, we're so appreciative of you two again for joining us today. Um, we love hearing from you. We, you know, look forward to seeing y'all posting on Twitter and stuff all the time. So it's been a great treat to get to see you two since yeah. we haven't been able to connect in person. Yeah. And no, it's <laughs> 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 Thank you guys so much. You know, I know we were trying to connect for so long, and I'm glad that it finally worked out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Well, best of luck for the start of the year with you two. I know whatever comes your way, y'all are both going to make it great for your students. Um, and we look forward to maybe the hopefully getting to see you two soon again at another conference Yay. when we can all... Go back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm restocking your pages for these projects. Yes. Too. I can't wait. <laughs> we will announce, we want to announce things as soon as we can with all of them. It's just making sure that, every, you know, all the ducks are in a row before oh, yeah. we go back. But we're super excited about them. And we think that as with everything we do, we hope to continue to support educators in this crazy ride of, of teaching and learning. Yeah. And if, you know, if you have questions for us, by all means, reach out to us. We're happy to connect, uh, happy to help however we can. Awesome. awesome. And we'll have your Twitter handles attached to our podcast info for anybody who's not already following you. Y'all need to do it now. Um, but thank you again so much. And we hope that y'all have a very, as relaxing as possible with all your projects, uh, rest of your summer. <laughs> thank you. Bye, guys. So again, um, we cannot say thank you, thank you, thank you enough yes, thank to you. Joe and Kristen. Mm. Um, again, if you are not following them on Twitter, check the 
episode information for their hashtags and definitely make sure to follow, follow them immediately. Follow, follow, follow. Um, <laughs> and be on the lookout for their exciting upcoming announcements. I know, their new projects. I can't wait. You can be <laughs> stocking their be Twitter fun. pages. Sorry, yeah. y'all, but I'm going to be there. All right. So until next time, this has been another episode of Grande Texpectations. Grande Texpectations.